Welcome in to the Off Grid Pros podcast. This is episode number four. I learned to count this week. <laughs> if you listened to our episode last week, uh, I might have said it was episode two, but it was episode three. So for this week, just for you, Keneally, I have realized what number it is because you told me to learn to count. So you're welcome. This is episode number you're so four. Smart. <laughs> hey, I'm the owner of a company, so. I know. What are we talking really? about today? <laughs> Today's topic. Uh, this is going to be all about the biggest mistakes people make going off the grid. And there are quite a bit of them. I wouldn't say that we're necessarily talking about every single mistake because, you know, it's endless. But we're going to cover a lot of the mistakes that people make when trying to mostly live off the grid. Not, not so much... And, you know, just going on a weekend trip or anything, but mostly living off the grid full time. So first off, what are our names? My name is Jonathan. I am the COO. What is that again? C cut. What is it? Chief operations offer officer or chief operating. I don't remember what it was. Chief operating officer. I thought. Okay. I, don't know. I am the chief operating officer of off grid pros. Uh, we have Keneally here. What's your job? Uh, I mostly just sit here and make jokes at you. I am also the <laughs> I'm the chief financial officer of this organization. The CFO, chief funny officer. Chief and funny we've officer. We've also got yeah. <laughs> we've got Ryan here. Okay, so they're both named Ryan. So, um, what's what's your what's your job here, Ryan? I really don't know what I'm doing here. Cool. <laughs> he just owns company. He has the operating person <laughs> running the website, <laughs> building the relationships, all that stuff. <laughs> it's like that's fine. I'll just I'll just do these things. Ryan pays for it and and provides all the brains behind everything. You guys told me I was going to get something free, so I just signed in. I don't know. <laughs> I did mean to buy you a company shirt today, and I just didn't get around to it. <laughs> yeah, you're going to give us your money for free. <laughs> yeah. I was going to buy you a shirt with your credit card. With his money, too. I, I, I did <laughs> get a resale license number with my bank account, though, so this company owes me $34.99. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there are times where I've said I need something, and Ryan Keneally just – Sends me your information for your card. It says buy it. <laughs> so then I do. <laughs> okay, good stuff. All right. So like I said, it's a good thing I don't look at my statements. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is the Off Grid Pros podcast. Uh, like I said, today we are talking about the biggest mistakes people make going off the grid. Last week, we covered solar power stations, or like Keneally calls them, solar generators. So if uh, if you listened to last week's episode, you might have met him in the comments, um, arguing about what they are called officially. It's a good episode. It's probably our best to date, to be honest. So if you haven't listened to that one, go ahead and go listen to that right after this one.
So let's jump into our first uh, little segment here. This is our fun fact segment. I'm going to read this off real quick. It's a good one. This one is specifically about solar. So Thomas Edison himself was a huge advocate for solar. Many years before the first solar panel was even invented, Edison was quoted as saying, I'd put my money on the sun and solar energy. What a source of power. I hope we don't have to wait until oil and coal run out before we tackle that. I wish I had more years left. Now, I think it's super interesting because one, solar wasn't really around. Back, oh, didn't you look it up? When, when was he born, Keneally? Tell us the facts. First of all, solar has been around for billions of years. All right. The okay. sun, Here's the, sun the thing. Been the sun's around. been around for at least a silly 100 years. <laughs> yeah, that's, I think it was. I think, you're right. I don't know. Somewhere between 100 years and a billion. I know that much. Um, <laughs> no, he, he uh, let's see, he was born in 1847. Dude was pretty old when he died for being born at, in that era. He, How old he was, was he? 84. Oh my God. Yeah. He lived till 1931. So, I mean, he saw. That's incredible. Yeah. He saw cars. That must've been weird. So that's our fun fact for the day. What a, what a swell guy. Well, I, I didn't hear much, um, many good things on drunk history about. No. Yeah. You were saying that it it sounds like he was quite the asshole. It didn't seem very nice. Yeah. Well, apparently he just had all of his inventor people do things for him and then said thanks this is mine now and then <laughs> would just take all the credit and get like here's five bucks i feel like he was the elon musk of that time <laughs> if you trash talk elon musk he's not going to come on our podcast oh yeah <laughs> he's scheduled for next week and now he's gonna just back out because he heard you were talking well, i was trash. hoping to smoke weed with him like joe rogan did <laughs> <laughs> While on the podcast? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into our topic for today. At this point, I'm actually going to kick it off to Ryan. And Ryan's going to Ryan's gonna lead our little discussion here for for a little bit, at least. I, I need you to, like, t- talk me through the, the different topics here. But um, I need you to just, just you know, okay. feel, feel free to be who oh, you God. are. Be yourself. Nice. Show, nice, showcase nice yourself. and boring. Okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make jokes in the middle. <laughs> um, all right. So when it comes to the biggest mistakes, I the biggest thing for me is just I want people to like stop picking their countertops before even thinking about solar you know and their power needs um because that's the way it always goes like people just they they worry about all the stuff like if you're like the normal stuff when you have an uh, a a grid connected home where you don't you don't have to worry about things like shelter heat water, electricity. So all of those things with a normal, you know, on the grid home, you don't have, you, you take those for granted, right? You, you pay the 30 bucks a month or the, sorry, the, the $200 a month, whatever it is for like water, electricity, heat, and you never really have to think about it, right? We, we all take that for granted. So 
with off-grid, you really just, you cannot do that. You have to think about those things um, from the start because otherwise you are going to have an, a miserable experience off-grid. Um, do you ever have those conversations with people where they're like, I want to go off-grid, but first I need to take care of all these non-essential things, but they don't say non-essential because to them they are essential? Well, so it's very rare that people actually come to us, you know, from the start, right? Like before they even start planning their project, they're, they're already, you know, figuring out how big they want the house and how many bedrooms and, you know, uh, what color they're going to paint them and, you know, uh, you know, how many dishwashers they're going to have. I don't know. It's, it's stuff like that, that when you go to live off grid, it doesn't really matter if you are at your home and you don't have reliable power, if you don't have reliable water, if you don't have reliable heat. Um, so all of those things that you normally take for granted, you, you just, you cannot do that. So that's what I would say is you want to come at the, the project just and take like a holistic approach, right? You look at where you're going to get your water, where you're going to get your electricity, how those things um, fit into the overall design of the home. Um, and, and one of the biggest things that you can do um, to, to make your life easier when living off grid is to focus on uh, energy efficiency. And so one of the, one of the kind of rules of thumb yeah, with solar electricity is for every dollar you spend in energy efficiency, you can save three to five dollars in uh, system cost. So it is very important for you to look at things like your light bulbs and decide to, um, you know, go with LED versus incandescent because Trump told you to buy incandescent bulbs or whatever. Whatever it is. Um, <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> so you're saying like uh, like people people when they're asking for quotes uh, in your you know d more than a decade of of experience are are you seeing that they've already picked out their their sweet ass kitchen with their Edison <laughs> lights that are coming down and their Edison light bulbs. Yeah. Their Edison light bulbs. Cause they're super hipster. And, uh, and then, and then you find out that those are like super high wattage bulbs and now you've got to size the system accordingly. And then they're like, Whoa, why, why is this $50,000? And my light bulbs were only 30 bucks. Yeah. I would say most of the time the home is complete. They're a week away from being able to move into it. They, they call us and say, Hey, I've got $5,000 left in my budget. Um, I need to run my all electric house. Um, what can you do for me? And, and that, you know, you have this beautiful home, right? That on the grid would be absolutely amazing. Um, you wouldn't have to worry about a thing, but a home like that may not function very well off grid. And then if you are constantly worried about your water needs or your electricity needs, I don't care how nice the house is, you're not going to enjoy living there. Because if, you know, I have so many customers, they have these beautiful homes 
they don't have enough um they they didn't budget for enough solar and and um you know the things that go along with that and they're waking up every morning they're turning on their generator they have to run you know they go out to their portable generator and turn the generator on and make sure it has gas and run it for two hours while they do their normal morning routine and then they shut it down and they don't have power until the evening when they turn their generator back on so it, it's things like that that can just destroy your your experience off grid, right? Because you want to go off grid just for like peace and quiet and not having to worry about things, and you just you, you don't get that if you don't plan well for it. And what I would say is, um, you know, another another thing that we see a lot of is um, people will for whatever reason, think that, um, you know, picking an architect to design their home or whatever, um, they don't have to have experience in, in off-grid to be able to design an off-grid home. And I would say that it really makes sense for you to, to vet your potential architects, um, so that, they have at least some experience with with what's important in off grid, because um, so many so many times your your happiness can just be so much higher if you've got a nice simple design you know well designed energy efficient home um, just makes your life so much so much nicer. Yeah, I feel like I feel like one of the main, the main calls or the a lot of calls we get are the generators constantly kicking on. It's kicking on too much or it's not kicking on automatically. So they got to go out and turn it on. I feel like, I feel like that is a good portion of our service calls. It's just that right there. And it's always, always seems like there's a combination of too much battery, not enough solar, uh, you know, no transfer switch. So it's like, it's little things that maybe people haven't thought of, you know, maybe, maybe, how do you go about thinking about those things, having no experience with it? Yeah. I think call the solar company first. Listen to the off grid pros podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that you need to talk. <clears throat> you need to think about all of those things, those critical items in, in, in that holistic approach to designing. Um, and if you have, you know, an architect who has done this, they will be able to guide you, you know, in making a lot of those choices. So how big of a difference does it make having like a, somebody that's actually designing your home, like an architect versus having a, uh, a manufactured home? Well, I think, <clears throat> I think that there are some choices that you can make when doing just a stand. I understand that people are working on with diff different budgets, but mm -hmm. let's say your budget is a manufactured home. Well, there's some choices you can make with a manufactured home to make your life a lot easier. And one of the most important things for a lot of areas in the United States is just the orientation of the home. So if you can, like, especially here in Northern Arizona, um, if you can, orient 
your house so that the long sides of the house are facing north and south instead of east and west. Your home, there was a study done by, um, uh, it was done in Davis, California. If you do that where you orient your house in an east-west orientation, meaning that your long side of your house is facing north and south, you will, your house will be 17 degrees warmer in the winter and 24 degrees cooler in the summer. Just like that oh one God. simple choice. And I see it so often that you go out to a house. Haley's just looking out his window. <laughs> and hey, that's my house. That's sweet. And <laughs> why is it so friggin' hot in here all the time? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's where, like, and I see that every, like, every customer that I go out to their house and I see their house orientation. Um, and, I, and it's a north-south orientation, I know that they're going to be talking to me about air conditioning. I know it. Like, that's going to come up, and they're going to have to use it because they're – if you think about the path of the sun, and the sun is higher, much higher in the summer, the sun is hitting your the sides of your house, those long sides of your house, you know, for most of the day. And the, and the sides of your house is where you've got the least amount of insulation in the walls. So what you want is for the sun to be hitting your roof where you have the most in insulation. So that's why yeah. orienting it the other way, you in the summer have the sun mostly just hitting your roof. And then in the winter, it is actually, the sun is actually hitting the south side of your house and heating it in that process. So yeah. I definitely, we have people call, you know, and they're like, I'm building this home off grid and uh, I need to talk to somebody about getting a solar quote. So being the person that doesn't provide the quotes, I just, you know, get their basic information, all that kind of stuff and try and figure out what they're trying to run and how big the home is, all that kind of information. And I ask them, is your, what, how is your house oriented? And they'll say, you know, it's, I've got the long part of my roof facing west or whatever yeah and i'm like what have you built the house yet i'm like can you move it <laughs> i'm like if you're building it from scratch let's 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 stop while we're ahead because you can you're going to save some money on the solar if you just do it right from the beginning. But right. like people don't think about that because they're like, there's this giant tree outside that I really want to look at. And I'm like, okay, well, go outside. Like, <laughs> right. Don't worry about it while you're inside <laughs> because you know people just have this this idea that you know when they go off grid, they have – part of it is, is views of if they're going somewhere that's like really beautiful, they want to be able to just look out the window and see it. But it's in a inconvenient place for solar to be to have a, fa a window facing that way and but they do that because of the view not thinking this is going to cost me more money in the long run because i have to pay more to cool or heat my house or or whatever the situation is right well we should we should start making it a uh, common practice when they say stuff like that and we find out this unfortunate information we should just go Oof. Yeah. <laughs> like, right on the just start shaming them right from the beginning. We have a customer dialogue and oof is built into it. Oof. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. God. Why would you do that, Mr. Customer? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, but some of these some of these guys are you know, people. Some of these people are wealthy. They they want to see the tree. They bought the land. They and land up here, land up here is not cheap. Yeah, it can be. It can be if you go a little farther out of town. But if you're living in in Flagstaff, Arizona, especially up there by the by the mountain, that is that that can get pricey up there. Yep. So. So, yeah, but something to consider. I mean, I know if I bought the land, I'd want to see the tree. Yeah. It's funny, though, in the solar business, because there's a lot of situations where we would just recommend you cut that tree down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> While we're saving the earth with solar panels, we say, cut the tree down. <laughs> it's, it, 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 we, it, it works out to be worth more than one tree anyway, I think. Well, At least that's thing. how... If somebody orders something on our website, they can plant a tree by donating a dollar with their order, or they can plant you know, like a hundred trees, whatever you're into. That's so they so on our website. That's they can just opt to like add a buck, plants a tree, or are we donating a dollar per purchase? No, so there's to, a to plant yeah, a there's tree. an option like at the bottom of the page. So the website, in case you guys didn't know, is shopoffgrid.com, and you, you can buy your backup standby or portable generators, your champion generators on that website. Um, but at the bottom of the website, towards like the bottom right, there's a button down there that says plant a tree with your order. And so it's just a dollar per tree. So you can do, you know, one, five, hundred, whatever you're into. Or you can, I think you can do it at, at checkout as well. But you can make up for that guy cutting down his tree to get more space for solar. <laughs> We're chopping them down and putting them back up again. Yep. Go us. You're welcome. Just, just trying to save the world. Just donate. Yeah. That was a sweet plug you did there too. So yeah, I'm going to applaud you on that one. That was a nice plug. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So I mean, that's 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 a big thing. I feel like people just don't think about the cost of off-grid living. It's how much do I have to pay to have somebody design my house? How much do I have to pay for it to be actually built? What is what's the cost of you know the land because i know you were looking at buying land here earlier right ryan yes it's um it's uh ridiculous crazy expensive expensive. yeah 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 northern arizona in general especially near flagstaff is just ridiculous yeah 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 i was i was looking at plots of land that's there's there's plots in town that go for like 200 grand just for grass and trees yeah and it's a tiny little like like triangle of space it's not even like a a conveniently shaped yeah it's like (laughs) here's something that nobody's ever seen before hidden behind something else you can buy this for seven million (laughs) dollars but that but that is the appeal right of people going off grid is that you can get further away from town so there are lots of areas in northern arizona where land is very cheap and so you go you go out, you know, an hour, hour and a half, two hours from Flagstaff, and you can find, you know, 40 acres for $30,000. Um, and so you get the land for cheap, but then trying to do anything out there then becomes expensive, right? So to just to get like a plumber out there, you know, in the middle of nowhere, you have to think about all of the travel costs because they're typically just coming from town, right? So those are a lot of things that people don't really think about and and also just like if you have an emergency trying to get anyone to come out to your place to help you uh with your plumbing or your electricity or or 
your your, your heart attack or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, those things cost every time you need to do that. It costs substantially more. Yeah, we deal with that. We deal with that too at at Prometheus, our installation company. That's another phone call that I get a lot is um, either something's something's gone wrong. When can you come out? I was hoping for, you know, this afternoon if you have time. And I'm like, I'm always flabbergasted by that. I'm like, well, you know, you live two and a half hours away and it's three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm not sure why you would think that's even possible. And then they're like, roughly, what's that going to cost? And I'm like, well, because you're two hours, two and a half hours out of town, I mean, probably going to be minimum $500 just to get the truck out there. And then, you know, then they're like, whoa, that's ridiculous. And I'm like, well, it's ridiculous that you want us to drive two and a half hours in the first place. Like what, <laughs> why do you live out there? You have to expect that. Well, you, you're not calling your local electrician that's going to pop over to your house and then hit Wendy's on his way. Home. Like, that's that's, that's going to be a whole day's worth of work just to drive out there, figure out what you did wrong, fix it. And then come back. Yeah. I feel you like know. generally with it, it, there's a fine line living off grid. It's you, you're like, you need to have backup systems for as many things as possible because, you know, something fails. Nobody's going to be out there for a week, two weeks, a month to come fix it or whatever, whatever the situation is. But also you need to have being off grid is trying to be as, independent as possible and and a lot of times minimalistic so i feel like people are in that mindset of i i want to have this but also i don't so should i really get a backup for this like get a generator like a, a f- full generator that's going to back up my entire home or just a small portable generator or solar generator whatever you're whatever you're thinking so i, I think it's that that fine line of how prepared are people and how minimalistic do they want to be when going to actually live off grid how about the ones that aren't minimalist minimalistic i remember at least one person in recent uh (laughs) within the last year that that that, uh wanted to charge his tesla off grid and wanted a quote for that and i i remember i think ryan had that conversation (laughs) yeah i think ryan had that conversation with him i think it went something like I'm just gonna, you know, like how much land? How much land did you buy? How many football fields right. did you buy? Yeah. First of we'll all? fill the whole thing up with, with, with right. batteries. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think I don't even think you really quoted him, Ryan. Didn't you just ballparked it at like a quarter uh, million? Yeah, I mean, I always tell people that it's possible. Like, yeah, we can do that. You can do whatever like, you want. We can do. We can certainly do whatever you want. But the number that comes out of my mouth, you're not gonna like. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What is what what? How many kilowatts is the battery for Tesla? Do we know what that is for it's, the Tesla cars? Oh, for the um, for the cars themselves. I know the Powerwall is thirteen. Yeah, thirteen and a half for the Powerwall, thirteen and a half kilowatt hours, and then you've. Mm-hmm. I think you know it. You can buy them in um, different quantities, but I don't. I I want to say that there's like a forty, sixty, and eighty something along those lines. Um, so you've already got that much that you need on a, I would maybe like every, every few days, once a week. I don't know how much that guy's driving, maybe every two weeks that he needs to power that thing up. But then also all of the appliances, cause I'm imagining that he probably didn't have a tiny house. 
Yeah, it's um, it's a it's a rather large home that he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like a tes- Tesla Model Three standard range looks like it's fifty four kilowatt hours, and then the long range is seventy five kilowatt hours. Mm-hmm. That's a battery. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that's at that point you're not. <laughs> You're not saving anything. With that. Oh, God. I would be. I would just hit. I would hit Walmart in a supercharger. Like, just when you go into town, just park it and do that. That's just ridiculous. Well, it's funny because like if you live two and a half hours outside of the nearest town, you're going to use all of your battery to get there, and then use all of it to get back home. Yeah, I. So I think it's fair to say that that having an electric vehicle and living off grid currently is not really a a thing yes yeah i feel like the only way that it could really work for you is that if you don't live that far away sure so you live you know 10 minutes from town and you live in a place that does have superchargers so i because otherwise you're just there's no there's no way yeah i think i think what you know if you were working um you would Rather than charge your vehicle at home at night, you would charge your vehicle at work. You know, just mm-hmm. do the opposite of what most people do. So Yeah. So here's a question for living off-grid that I really don't know much about at all, and I'm hoping you do, Ryan, um, is, is people getting water. So all these people call and they say, I need to be able to run my, my well pump. And all that kind of stuff. They're like, I've got a, I don't, I don't know how far these people dig their well pump. Their wells like 500 feet. Does that sound crazy? But it just seems like that's that's a big topic. That a lot of people don't talk about, consider very often either is is getting water um, and collecting rainwater as well. So, do you have any suggestions on how what the best practices are or or how that might work? Um. So I, I think it's it's situation dependent. Um, if you have a nice easy source for water, you know a lot of these rural areas will have uh, wells in the vicinity, and you can just have a tank, and um, you, ve- you know very easily just transport water with a tank. Um, but I would say most people, um, especially people who are kind of starting from scratch and who are doing it right, like taking the holistic uh, approach, um, they're collecting the water. They're, they're collecting, even here in Arizona where it's very dry, um, you can collect plenty of water on a normal size home to, to meet the majority of your needs. And then, you know, if there happens to be a dry, a dry spell, then you very, very easily could just have somebody else come out to fill your tank. But, as long as you have enough storage capacity, and that's really the, the biggest thing, is um, having big enough tanks to get you through the dry the dry periods, um, and you have a, a you know a decent filtration system, which might just be carbon filters or um, you know the infrared filters are, are really nice as well. Um, it just as long as you have that set up, I would say. For true like self sufficiency, 
that's what you're looking for in an off-grid home, it's really easy to collect um, collect enough water off your roof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I, that's definitely one of those topics of people just take that for granted. Living grid tight is that you've just got your you've got access to water, you know, and they don't. That's not something we really have ever have to worry about unless we're in the situation of living off grid or. And then people freak out if the water does get cut off for a minute at their house. And you're just like, okay, what do I do now? So it's it's definitely the same kind of idea of solar and your energy consumption is just being smart about how much you use and not overindulging on power or water. So There's even – in northern Arizona, I know in Williams, there's even people that live on the grid that have to haul their own water. They have like trucks dedicated to – From like the Grand Canyon? Or, yeah, even in the Grand Canyon area, but, like, it just in town, Williams, there's certain homes, there's neighborhoods in, in in the town that that people have to haul their own water in. And you just see there there's water tanks that are in the bed of their truck, and they that water tank essentially stays in the bed of the truck. And yeah. they pull it out, fill it up, and bring it back. Or like Ryan mentioned, I know I've passed going way, way out in the middle of nowhere in the desert Um I've seen, I've passed water trucks that are out there driving around, filling people's water tanks back up. Yep. Yeah. Same with propane companies. Like that's got, that's got to cost a lot of money. I can't imagine that's cheaper than your local city water. Yep. Yeah. Well, so I think going on to the next, the next thing, I think the biggest mistake personally, what I've seen that people make when going to live off the grid is, trying to do everything themselves. The amount of phone calls that we have gotten at Prometheus of people saying, I need you to come check out my system. I'm like, okay, who, who installed it for you originally? Uh, I did it myself. <laughs> now that's probably what happened. <laughs> I'm like, has it ever produced power? Uh, for about five minutes. So we've, uh, and it's like, that's yeah. I mean, you, it's much in the short run. Yes. You're going to save some money. You're going to spend so much more money fixing it than you ever would have just having somebody install a solar array that f- correctly from the beginning. So, I mean, you want to tell us about some of your experiences with that, Ryan? Cause I know that you have seen that a, a ton. Yeah. And I, I, I don't want to discourage, necessarily people from doing it themselves. But what I would say is that you need to be educated and you need to know what's important. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the things that I see is that a lot of people get the actual installation part, right? Like they get everything connected correctly, but they don't set everything up correctly with the correct settings for the type of batteries and the size of batteries and, you know, all of those things. And so, and, and I don't think that people realize the consequences of not getting that right. And, and it really could, like, I, I see a lot of people, I've seen many, many people that think they have it all set up, right. I go out to the site and it's been like that for two or three years. And I show up and I realize that half of their solar array is not even like 
producing any power, right? And yeah. in the meantime, they've been running their portable generator, you know, every morning for four hours, dealing with the hassle of that and the extra cost, purely because they just didn't have their stuff connected right or set correctly. It's it happens all of the time. So it, th that's the trouble with doing it yourself is that you can, if you don't truly understand what it is you have, then you don't know, you don't know what to expect from the system, like how, how it should actually perform. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think it's a big thing of you, you definitely need to do your research, like plenty of research if you are wanting to set things up yourself. So, I mean, like, if you want to build your house yourself, that's definitely possible. If you want to build a tiny home, Ryan built his own tiny home, and it looks it looks pretty cool to me. <laughs> or if you want Ryan yeah. to build your tiny home, he'll do it. I, I am. Oh God, I don't think he I wants to do that. that. We're taking orders. Nope. Nope. We are not. Along uh, along those lines, it's it, it penny pinching in certain areas to penny pinching in the wrong parts, like. You know, they, they feel like they've they got the best panels, they got the, you know, the best inverter, but they don't really want to spend the money on the batteries, so they go with the cheaper brand batteries, and then instead of having somebody, uh, you know, wire them together and set their inverter or charge controller settings correctly, they, they just hire, like, some guy that kind of knows what he's doing, or, like, the dude that lives down the road that's done it once or twice, and then they call us and are pissed because their $8,000 battery bank uh, doesn't work correctly when they realistically probably could have just spent 10,000 and gotten better batteries and had it professionally installed and they would still work right. Uh, I know Ryan and I changed one, a whole bank earlier this year because of that exact reason. And, uh, and, and that the, this particular person tried to pinch pennies again on top of that. He had three bad batteries out of, I think it was 16. And, uh, we both told him you shouldn't add, Three, we can warranty these things, but you know you're going to pay a few hundred bucks to warranty them each, and then labor, and we're going to put them in there. And you shouldn't add new batteries to an old bank; it's probably going to ruin the bank. And then we got that call a month later: bank doesn't work. Now you got to replace the whole thing. Yeah, and then Ryan and I were back out there again, replacing the whole battery bank. <laughs> so, in in the long run, he spent way more money than he would have if he just did it right the first time and tried didn't try to save that couple thousand in in the in the, the beginning and he he probably wasted you know six to eight thousand in the and, long run and that was actually a settings problem as well like the way that that like the originally why the bank went bad and it was only after a couple of years and that was easily i mean 16 of those batteries yeah that's a ten thousand dollar problem um but that whole pr the whole issue he had was because it was set incorrectly it was trying to it was set to try to equalize, equalize right? um yeah. you know sealed lead acid batteries which um you know at a very high voltage which will damage them so that whole thing was was a settings issue so if that had been set up correctly he should get five to eight years out of that otherwise you know, in this case, he's he got two years out of that first bank, and now has to spend another yeah. ten grand on a second bank. So it's crazy. That sucks. That sounds awful. 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that all, yeah, part of that is just, you know, asking questions if you don't know for sure and, and taking, if you don't feel that the advice from whoever you're speaking to is, is the best advice, like call around to, to other people that, that have experience in what you're doing or do research yourself. And I think that's important. It's just try and be as educated on, on these various things within living off the grid as much as possible so that you're not caught in a situation that is either dangerous to yourself or, and just unnecessarily expensive because living off the grid is it, it, it's not the cheapest option, but people have their own reasons for doing so. So, I mean, if, if you do have the ability to save money in some places, which one of them is not making mistakes, then that's a great place to to start. Um, So I think uh, what we talked about a little bit earlier was having a backup plan for your backup plan, that kind of stuff. I think part of that is one, having a generator. So if you've got solar or wind or a combination of the two, whatever you've got going on, it's always good to have a generator. And so that if, even if it's, you know, a portable generator or a full standby generator, whatever you're doing, having something that that you're going to have access to power some some way because you do have things that are essential to some people so one thing that people need to take into account is something like a CPAP machine this is huge on all the solar power station pages on almost all of them they say how long you can run a CPAP machine because they know that's one of the most important things that people need to run another thing is a refrigerator or a freezer so you've got all of your food that you've purchased if you've gone into town spent multiple hundred dollars just buying this food to last year for a few weeks you probably want to make sure that you that's going to be good if your power goes out for whatever reason so making sure that you've got backups for that something like a, a good first aid kit being prepared even doing research on on different on how to do different things of first aid that is that could be you know life-saving if you don't have access to a hospital for up to 24 hours because you can't reach out to anybody so it's it's definitely good to have all those different things and then of course having um like food rations or or extra water or anything like that and actually physically writing out what you will need instead of trying to put everything together in your head um so I, I th- it's kind of like if you on a trip, you're like, I need this, this, this. You always forget about something. So if you write it out, you, it's gonna you're gonna be you're not gonna forget about it one because you wrote it down. Was was shortest pencil is is better than the longest memory? Is that how it goes? <laughs> no, nobody knows what you're talking <laughs> hey, about. But I will. Hey, that's a real say. The that. shortest memory is better than the longest pencil. No way, shortest pencil. <laughs> longest memory. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the sharpest. Everything you said was great. Everything you said was great. I did want to add though, something even, even more simple than everything you said. It's just being able to explain where you are or better yet, just your GPS coordinates would yeah. be nice for, for emergency response people that you can give them your, your, your uh, longitude and latitude, tell them and they will, they will be able to, f- fly to your location in an emergency situation they don't they don't need you know to google map you um i don't know how many times over the years that i've tried to uh figure out where people live 
at, at both this company and the companies that I worked for in the past. And you get, you know, mile marker two, go three miles past Jimmy's hitching post. And then you'll see my cousin Ray Ray. And then you don't, don't turn in his house. You got to go to his neighbor's place, but then hook a left and then go 40 more miles. It's, it, you can't tell in an emergency situation, you can't do that. You know, nobody's going to know what you're talking about. So yeah, I think that, that in mind as well. That's super important because that happens all the time with people trying to explain. It's just like, here, here it is. And yeah, I mean, that's uh, definitely something people don't consider. Cause I mean, if they did consider it, we wouldn't have those conversations with customers of trying to explain where their house is to install solar. So definitely something to think about if you are planning on going further out and living off grid rather than, you know, 10 minutes outside of town, even, even then it's a good idea to have that information. Um, all right. So before we finish up here, Ryan, did you have any closing thoughts since you're the most experienced of dealing with, with situations of, of mistakes in off grid? Um, I, I just, it, it just pays to really try to figure out things before you, before you start picking your countertops. Just, 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 just please do that. Please. Bring it, bring it back home. <laughs> that, that, that's all I would say. There's, there's a lot of good information out there uh, online. Um, there's also a lot of bad, bad information. So just when you're, when you're researching this stuff, try to figure out, you know, um, how much experience these people actually have, you know, there, there might be a guy who's lived at 15 years off grid and he thinks he's got it all figured out, but he, he doesn't really have a, uh, a breadth of experience, you know, whereas, um, there are some people who have seen multiple different uh, off grid scenarios and, and might be able to give you a little bit better, better information for, for your particular site. So, yep. Almost like, almost like you, Ryan, here at Off Grid Pros or at shopoffgrid.com seems like would be a perfect place for you to go to find really valuable and correct information. <laughs> you did say you wanted to focus more on education, so you get to be the one educating the people when they call in. <laughs> so, You're welcome. Sounds like fun. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening into episode four of the off grid pros podcast. Um, make sure to follow along we're going to be releasing these episodes every week. What is what's next week? I think we're talking about um, the solar market. So what the stock market looks like for, for solar panels. Stocks. Yeah. That's yeah. all. That's all you can You're going to have to, you're going to have to lead the charge on that one. Uh, I'll talk stock all day. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do I have to like, do I have to, am I going to have to, tell i'm gonna have to disclose what i own or can or is this just a really good pump and dump opportunity can i is this my chance to be the next wolf of wall street here i can just start pumping stocks how much you make um what your social is as well as what you're invested in everything everything financial about you any numbers it'll be a fun episode it'll be a fun episode yeah so be sure to follow us along uh and and uh tune in for that one next week also like I said earlier in this episode, we have all this different equipment that you're going to need. So if you need a backup generator, whether it's portable or a standby generator, or maybe you want a solar power station, we have all of that available at shopoffgrid.com, where you can also plant a tree and be a good person. 
Um, <laughs> also, be sure to go and check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you do have any questions about what we talked about today, or if you have any suggestions of future episodes, or you just want to send us compliments about how great you think our podcast is, feel free to email us. <laughs> feel free to email us at info at shopoffgrid.com. That is info at shopoffgrid.com. Uh, thanks again, and we'll we'll see you next time. Thank you.